Hey, welcome. Glad to have you with us. Glad to be with you. Uh, we were talking about this uh, stabbing, and, and apparently this is based on a true story. The story is at Amoland.com on uh, whether or not you would uh, do what this uh, uh, concealed carry permit holder did. Uh, he, was, he goes into a restaurant after a long day to get a sandwich. Uh, there are several people inside. Uh, there's a fracas between two of them. Uh, the one guy pulls out a knife, starts stabbing the other guy. Everybody runs out um, except you, and, and you say, you know, stop it, drop the knife. The guy doesn't pay any attention. Uh, you call 911, you run out to your truck, you get your gun, You come. do you come back in and try and stop it? Um, I think Dale and I might, depending on the circumstances, I mean, there's a lot, Dale, going on. Uh, it Does the bad guy have somebody, uh, you know, backing him up? Uh do we uh, uh, suspect that uh, you know that that the victim is really not a victim? Uh, there, maybe the, maybe he had a knife and started to draw it first. I don't know. But I think under the circumstances, morally, I would think to myself, well, I can't let this guy get stabbed to death in the restaurant uh, if I can stop it safely. I can also see the other side of the coin uh, where Garson is coming from, who says. You know what? Call 911. You don't have a legal obligation. You don't have any obligation. Uh, yeah, you know, make not, you be, be a good witness. Not my monkey, not my circus. Um, but if you, uh, if you knew the person that was being stabbed, you might step in. Possibly. And that's the point. We were talking about it, obviously, during the break. And there, there are just so many variables. I think at some point I said, you know, it would depend on the totality of the circumstances. And that's where, you know, law enforcement officers are criticized by other people who, you know, weren't there and don't know, you know, didn't see, hear, smell, experience everything that happened. Um, you know, it was the person doing the stabbing an undercover officer trying to stop somebody or as garson said you know maybe the person doing the stabbing had been a person that was kidnapped and this was finally their chance to break free obviously if you're there you have a better feel for it it's so yeah now with the firearm you have the opportunity to stop it and and sort the details later uh but you have to you know there's so much else uh, to think about here uh, as they said at uh, MLN, we still have a man with a knife and a bleeding victim on the floor. That poses a huge dilemma. The man with a knife is still a threat, though not an immediate lethal one. Also, a person with a knife can move a considerable distance before we can stop him with a firearm. The attacker might die from a gunshot wound, but we might die from a knife wound as well. No one wins in a tie. We want to be far enough away from the attacker that we can stop the threat before he reaches us. Fortunately, a firearm does work at distance. A uh, lot to consider here. So let me ask listeners, what would you do? What would you do? 874-9390, toll-free, 800-529-5572. Gary, you witnessed that stabbing. You went outside, got your gun. Would you go back in? Would you just leave? Gary, it depends on the town I'm in. If I'm in St. Louis where they have that wonderful prosecuting attorney, no way. Morally, I'd like to step in, but if I do, I'm able to lose my house, my home, even my freedom to defend myself against that prosecuting attorney. 
And uh, that's kind of where I fall on. Like I said, morally, I'd like to if, you know, if the, if the situation looked right. But in St. Louis, I wouldn't touch it with a 10-foot pole. What a message she sent, huh? Boy. Yep. What she if you're in Columbia me. or Boonville? Oh, then a lot of the other things that you just talked about would come into line. But I, I, I don't know. I still think you can get jammed up. You know, I'd probably stay in the car and call. Yeah, so the problem here, Gary, is attorneys, right? Uh, precisely, and I can't afford one. <laughs> and I'm shaking my head yes. Yeah, yeah, Dale's shaking his head yes. All right, Gary, thank, thank you. you for the call. Yep. Glad to have you on Gary on Guns. Hey, Kevin, this is Garson. Uh, mo- <laughs> what? Melinda, Kevin welcome. Jameson. Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm doing well. How about you? I, I'm well, thank you. I would agree with what the previous caller just said. If it was in St. Louis or whatever, I would be very hesitant. But my question is, why in the world would you leave your fire or your car? Yeah, we all said that. It's interesting how, yeah, <laughs> how we all we all said the same thing. Why would you leave it in the car? Yeah, I mean, come on. Why, why do you have it? It's, it's not to have it. Yeah. So anyway, that would be my first my first question about this whole thing. But I would I would agree with the previous caller on it, which depends somewhat on where you were. All right. So if you and were the severity of the stabbing, was he like stabbing him in the leg, or was he killing him? He's killing him. He's trying to kill him. So then he, yeah, you need. I just got a chair, smash his head open. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think I would use a chair when the guy has a knife. ketchup. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Anyway, John Kerry would be proud of you. With you. <laughs> You're right. Melinda, thank you for the call. Glad to have you and Kerry on guns. Great responses. Uh, speaking of guns, uh, there are a couple of firearms that uh, Garson would like to talk about, and we'll let him do that. Una momento. And we'll talk about some legislation that. Uh, has been introduced dealing with concealed carry on campus. We've, I even know the guy who introduced it. We'll do that next. I'm Gary Ungun. 19 minutes after the hour. Glad to have you with us. Glad to be with you. Uh, State Representative Chuck Basie on board. We've got uh, some interesting legislation. We'll talk about that with him in a few minutes. Uh, then we've got uh, Garson in from Graffs. And then uh, Dale is in from the CPOA. Uh, by the way, when I say Dale is in from the CPOA, Dale is with the CPOA, but he's not necessarily representing them on this program. Uh, he's here because he's a Second Amendment supporter, he's an attorney, uh, and he's fun to make fun of. Um, uh, At your service. Yeah, yeah <laughs> that's, that's the whole point of it. <laughs> so, um, let's talk about uh, a couple of firearms at Graf's. What, what you got going there, Garson? Uh, we've actually got an AR-15 in stock. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, uh, it's a consignment gun, um, so, so that's why I didn't bring it with me, um, but it's a Stag Arm, Stag 15, 16-inch uh, with a 30-round magazine. It's uh, a 16-inch M4 flat top with a folding rear sight and a um, six-position collapsible um, A3 M4 style buttstock. Um, it's not got, you know, a lot of, it's, it's basically stock. Um, and it's got a side sling adapter, so pretty slick little piece for 900 bucks. You know, the thought that just occurred to me is, why is somebody getting rid of that? Uh, Man. 
I don't know. Some people got rent to pay, and a lot of people aren't working, so. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. So and, that is down at Graff's, uh, and uh, they'll be opening up shortly? Oh, yeah, we're already open. You're already open? 8 o'clock. Wow. So if you're looking for an AR-15 and 900 bucks, you can't go wrong. Yeah, and it's a stag, so, I mean, it's a it's one of the better brands. So it, it, are, do you, does Graff's treat consignment firearms the same as regular in that if I buy that, will I be able to buy a couple of boxes of ammunition to go with it? I did not see any ammo sitting next to it, so I do not know if we have any two twenty three ammo with it. Because I was going to say, if I could, I'd buy it, take the ammunition, and then bring it back and put it on consignment again. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't publish that idea. Boy, those the attorneys. That... Chuck, you just get, those attorneys are really stinkers, aren't they? Oh, and nobody really? else thought of that. Uh, the, Your the pronunciation. I'm going to tell everyone at the shop the consignment feature for any of Dale's guns is going to be $400. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and no, I did not mispronounce the TH with... Uh, uh, I was going to say, when you said thinkers, it came out sounding like stinkers. <laughs> oh, boy. Great. Gary's uh, buying collections off of callers, and Dale's trying to take on my ammo. Well, we do what we can. Oh, and we did get 209 primers. We've got a a, a fair amount of 209 primers for shot shell reloading in the retail store. The, uh, the wholesale and... Um, uh, mail order um, primer allotment is sold out, but the retail store does have an allotment left. Yeah, that'll be gone in about five more minutes. <laughs> uh, any other firearm you want to chat about? Um, yeah, we've got a uh, Stoger pump action 12 gauge uh, for $315. It's their P3000. Um, all black um, pump action, you know, standard entry level shotgun. So if, uh, if, uh, um, if an evil black gun isn't your uh, cup of tea, we've got a less evil black shotgun. And and to tell you the truth, anything is better than nothing. If you can't get your hands on, you know, what you, you know, a concealed carry permit, uh, a, a concealed carry handgun or the rifle of choice, uh, and you have nothing else at home, uh, this might be at least something. Uh, it is not my weapon of choice for home defense, but... You know, beggars can't be choosers. I mean, there just is very little out there. But that AR-15 for 900 bucks, wow. You don't like the tactical trombone? <laughs> no, I don't. Um, you know, if it's pump action, um, it, I think it's a little bit easier than a semi-automatic if there's a problem. Uh, but I, I, I just, I would rather have a rifle and a handgun than a shotgun in the house. And a We're, pump anybody? action certainly provides that universal sound that everyone recognizes. Yeah, that is such a great sound, isn't it? What What would you recommend in the house? Would you recommend a shotgun in the, in the house for self-defense? Would that be your first choice, uh, Carson? Yeah, that's the closest thing to my bed is a shotgun. Is it really? Yeah. Dale? I, I, I usually have a handgun close to my bed, but I always have a pump shot, 12-gauge pump shotgun next to my bed. And... You know, on that topic, it's been a few years now, but uh, I think it was Todd Burke taught a tactical shotgun class. I took it, and I was surprised to find how versatile and accurate a shotgun could really be. I learned a lot about... Yeah, and uh, a handgun is only to get you to a bigger gun. But right. that's the but only my, purpose... For me, can... the bigger gun, I think, would be a rifle. So, I, everybody has a different uh, view on this. I've talked to several experts both ways. 
Uh, for me, it would be a rifle. For some, a shotgun. Uh, in any case, anything is better than nothing. Uh, and I think Americans are wising up to that. Uh, in fact, it's even having an effect on the Democrats uh, f uh, at the national level. Uh, they're recommending uh, that the party ditch hey, their gun control. And uh, that and, you know, Biden says I can shoot my shotgun up in the air. So Yeah, there's a genius <laughs> idea. Good God. And I, I, you know, I don't <clears throat> want to sound paranoid, but I'm just saying, you know, if if people can get past the Claymore mines and my dogs, then, yeah, I have a weapon, a firearm to defend myself with. And then there's the moat with the <laughs> alligators. Yes, and, yeah. yeah. You just need a bag of snacks or so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. All right. Uh, 874-9390. The toll-free number is 800-529-5572. If you just tuned in, we were talking uh, at the uh, open of the program uh, ab about uh, this Missouri legislature. Uh, the court case with the university, uh, which apparently um, is, at least we don't think, is, is completely done. I, I think they're going to appeal it to, to the state Supreme Court. But there is a piece of legislation that somebody introduced that would give concealed carry rights to people on campus. Who would that be? Well, uh, Gary, I, I filed House Bill 568. It's scheduled for a hearing this upcoming Monday night at 6 o'clock in our General Laws Committee. And this is a result of uh, what our speaker, uh, our new speaker, said in our December caucus. He said that one of his priorities was pushing Second Amendment legislation. So I took the uh, language out of one of Jared Taylor's bill that he's been trying to push since we were elected at the same time. And that's to allow uh, concealed carry permit holders, both employees and uh, students, if they're of age, to carry on uh, public-funded uh, institutions of higher education. And um, I, I just think that is very appropriate. A lot of these people um, have told me over the years that, you know, whether it's a uh, professor or an employee or a student, if they get out of a situation late at night and have to walk across campus to where they live or to their car um, they do not feel safe in many situations so and and the police uh, the police do a great job but they cannot be there um, you know in a, in a quick uh, second or two so I think this is a good piece of legislation given the fact that this ruling just came out and I'm hoping to get it to get it to the governor's desk so in seconds count uh Police are minutes away. They can't help it. Yeah. So if, if there's some co-ed uh, walking at night to her car, uh, she should be able to defend herself, and that would perhaps mean being able to conceal carry. Right, yeah. And, and the university, I've already talked to uh, some of their people, and they're, they're very uh, uneasy with especially with the students that live in dorms. But, you know, they have a requirement in a lot of universities, uh, uh, well, at MU, they have to live in a dorm for the first year and in some universities in the state it's a two-year requirement and i get that but they can they can uh, they can lighten up on that requirement if somebody wants to uh you, you know utilize their constitutional rights well uh, how many kids get stabbed in the dorms every year well there's just a shooting down right at the corner of the campus at tucker and uh, i think fifth street just a couple days ago was that in the dorm? No, I, I think it was. Uh, I think it was on the street. I believe I'm, I haven't really heard exactly what happened. Yeah. But they so had my, my point is, tonight, you know. they all have access to knives. 
And I don't, I can't remember a story where somebody got stabbed, uh, which is a pretty, it, pretty, it, it's used more often than rifles, a knife to to uh, attack somebody. Uh, if they're not stabbing each other, why would they shoot each other? Right. And this is for concealed carry permit holders uh, only. So you have to get the training, and and uh, you know I don't I don't know how many people would use it, but uh, I think it is very appropriate to allow these people to protect themselves in a bad situation. And Dale, if I'm not mistaken, concealed carry permit holders uh, violate fewer uh, laws than even law enforcement. That those are the facts. Yes, sir. So uh, I. I Sorry, I was just going to say, yeah, yeah, I think John Lott and uh, GunFacts.info both support that. And, you know, that's not to say that law enforcement are all scoff laws by any means, but that puts uh, concealed carry permit holders uh, as a pretty safe crew to have around. Uh, I think the university makes a mistake to be uh, uh, to oppose this or to be uneasy about it. Uh, and I, I doubt seriously that there would be... Uh, and in fact, I would argue... That ought to make the dorms a lot safer. Um, if the bad guys want to make a statement and they know that nobody in the dorm is armed, that's the perfect place for them to go. So uh, kudos to you, Chuck. I hope that does pass. Uh, I would like to see that happen. Uh, 874-9390, toll-free number 800-529-5572. We're coming up uh, to the news break here, but let's talk a little bit about the 2020 election. The Democrats, uh, who were pretty confident they were going to slam everything, didn't really. Uh, they lost a ton of seats in the House of Representatives. Uh, and while the Republicans did lose control of the Senate, it's a 50-50 it's tie. They didn't do as well there as they had hoped. Gun sales are through the roof. And we just reported earlier in the program that uh, January gun sales, as hot as gun sales have been for the last year... January set another new record for gun sales. So what are the Democrats saying about pushing gun control? Well, I'll share that with you next. Darren Guns, Hot Talk, 93.9 Eagle. Hey, welcome. Glad to have you with us. Glad to be with you. 36 minutes after the hour, Garson is in from Graffs, Mexico, Missouri. He said they've got an AR-15. It's on consignment. It's only $900. It's a great deal. Uh, and they are increasingly difficult to come by uh, because of the surge in gun sales. So you might want to call them up and lock that up as fast as you can. Uh, in the meantime, uh, we also have Second Amendment supporter Chuck Basie. And uh, Dale Roberts is in. Dale, of course, is with the CPOA, but he's really just representing Dale Roberts. Just want to make that clear. Um, any exception to that, and we'll point it out. In the meantime... Uh, the week before the election, the Cook Political Report said that the House Democrats were, quote, poised to expand their majority by 10 to 15 seats. Their prediction for the Senate was similar, calling Democrats the clear favorites to take back the Senate. On November 1st, polling aggregate 538 gave Democrats a 75% chance of gaining control of the Senate, reported that uh, the most likely scenario was Democrats would control the chamber by a margin 52 to 48. The story is up at americasfirstfreedom.org. Nate Silver uh, predicted Democrats to expand their House majority by six seats. I mean, over and over again, they were saying the Democrats were just going to rule. Well, they did manage to tie up the Senate, 
and they lost a ton of seats in the House of Representatives. And a lot of Democrats are blaming guns, including uh, former uh, senator from Missouri, who said that uh, this is the problem. Uh, Claire McCaskill went on MSNBC to offer her take on the party's missteps. She cited guns as an issue where Democrats had alienated voters, adding, as we circle those issues, we left voters behind and Republicans dove in with a vengeance. We also need to stop acting like we're smarter than everyone else because we're not. That may be one of the first times I've ever agreed with Claire McCaskill. So now the Jen Suckey, as we refer to her, the uh, spokesperson for the president, uh, was asked about gun control legislation uh, by a reporter uh, from, uh, I believe, NBC, uh, wanted to know, you know, are they going to are they going to push any legislation? Uh, and she said uh, there is legislation. The vice president would like uh, to see it pass. Uh, H.R. 127 is one of the bills. Uh, it would mandate the registration of all firearms and ammunition across the country. It would ban 50 caliber ammo, require mental health exam in order to buy a gun or ammunition. It would ban all magazines that hold more than 10 rounds, establish a national ammo registry so the government knows who uh, has what ammo, mandate civil liability insurance for gun owners, make gun owners pay $800 a year to get a national license to own a firearm or ammo. Wow. Uh, Wasn't that per weapon, too? I, I believe so. So let me let me start with you, Chuck. As a politician, uh, do these Democrats who are complaining have a uh, you know like like Claire McCaskill? Uh, are they are they correct? Is this hurting the Democrats? I think it hurts them considerably in Missouri. I can speak from this area because my district is right down the middle politically, fifty-fifty uh, with what they call the district, and um, you know I carry the rural area by a large margin every election uh, 75% on average this year for my three rural counties and um, you know the, the the Democrats are still out there they're just not happy with what the national and state party are pushing and uh, matter of fact I said that last night on my social media post when the Democrats issued their press release on the Second Amendment Act uh, you know that, that we passed and their headline on that was uh, Jared Taylor and Missouri House GOP vote to defund the police. That's the headline <laughs> on that. On that. And uh, it's just they're, they're um, I'm not trying to disrespect them, but they're, they're nuts on this issue at all. They're just crazy. And like I said earlier, they, uh, they were screaming. One of them got up and said, if we pass that legislation, um, and he repeated it multiple times, we're going to be nothing but a bunch of wife beaters. And uh, I've never been called how do, that. How did the, what was the logic behind that? So that one, the, you said that earlier this morning, and I'm thinking, why, how would this make them wife beaters? Because they have it's related to what they want to do with that red flag law. That you know, um, uh, that that's what it. They, one of the other Democrats got up and spoke about that, about how terrible this <gasps> bill was because we were not taking domestic violence seriously and all that. And then he got up and made that statement. One of the other uh, Kansas City Democrats and. But, uh, you know, anyway, they're certainly entitled to their their opinions, but this was just beyond the pale, you know. Oh, that's so silly. Garson, nothing 
makes a woman uh, uh, more secure, I would argue, and better able to defend themselves than a firearm. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, there's, there's well, firearm, knife, you know, baseball bat wrapped in barbed wire, whatever, whatever you can fashion, I guess. But, you know, unless it's Ronda Rousey, there aren't very many women that I'm afraid to tangle with. <laughs> but if they've got a gun... Yeah, I mean, it's, it, you know, regardless of whatever, whatever you believe about, you know, the physical attributes of the sexes, yeah, I mean, any, anyone who is of a lesser stature than their aggressor is at a severe disadvantage, and the only thing that's going to overcome that is a weapon of some kind. Yeah, so the wife beater thing is, in fact, it's just the opposite. Well, and Gary, the interesting aspect of that, or one of the things to, that they should be thinking about, in, in I think it was the last nine months of 2020, uh, the NICS checks, which obviously tracked firearm sales, uh, and those were well above average, showed that uh, 40% of all the purchases were new buyers. And of the new buyers, 40% of the new buyers were women, and 58% of the new buyers were African-American. So 98% of all those new gun buyers are votes that the Democrats are after, I do believe. And I you know, as to all of this, I think they're alienating a large segment of society. Um, but, you know, make of those statistics what you will. Well, what I'm thinking is that this may constrain them on voting uh, for really bad law. Uh, that and the Supreme Court, as we pointed out earlier, leaning uh, just a little bit more to the Constitution than it has in probably 100 years, uh, just might protect the Second Amendment. Um, but that increase in the numbers of gun owners, literally the numbers of gun owners, it's, all of those sales weren't to people who already owned guns. Um, a great number of them, as we just pointed out, are from people who didn't own guns. So I think the Democrats make a mistake pursuing this. Um, they're overplaying their hand. There is some legislation in Tennessee that I found interesting. We'll chat about that in just a minute. Uh, but we were, we're up against the break here. So callers, hang on the line. We're going to go to the callers in just a couple of minutes. You're listening to Gary on Guns on Hot Talk 93.9 The Eagle. Hey, welcome. It is uh, 48 minutes after the hour, and uh, it is Gary on Guns. Garson is in from Graffs. Uh, then we've got uh, State Representative Chuck Basie on board. And uh, then uh, we have, uh, well, I, I keep saying from the CPOA, but that's just what he does for a living. Dale Roberts. Uh, who's also an attorney. Uh, let's grab some phone calls, and then I'll tell you this interesting legislation out of Tennessee, just to get a quick opinion from all three of you guys. Uh, we'll start with Paul. Paul, welcome. Glad to have you on Gary on Guns. Hi, uh, thanks. Uh, I wondered, uh, does anybody have an opinion about a a small 10-millimeter block for, for self-defense, and any opinions about a rifle chambered in 10 millimeter for home defense. Garrison? So, um, I have a rifle that I just finished building in 10 millimeter um, on a quarter circle 10 lower. Um, it is amazing. I love it. Um, but 
As far as a small Glock for a 10 millimeter, how's your hand strength? Pretty good. Um, yeah, if, if you're comfortable with it, um, that would be great. I would I would probably lean towards a larger uh, 10 millimeter just to give me that extra purchase. Um, uh, I've been I've been on back order list for a uh, a full size Glock MOS 10 millimeter um, for the better part of a year um, to complement the rifle I built. But um, yeah, I, I, the 10 millimeter caliber is awesome. Um, you know, I've read almost all of Jeff Cooper's writings, and he espouses upon all of its positive qualities. Um, you know, it's it's faster, stronger, harder hitting than you know most other semi-auto um, calibers that are out there. Well, it's 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 the most common semi-auto caliber out there um, with the best velocity and the hardest um, hitting foot pounds of energy. I mean, you can get into some oddball one-off stuff or some, you know, some crazy, um, like, 41 Magnum, which is super rare. It's great, but it's still no 10 millimeter. As one of the, quote, oddball rounds, is 10 millimeter, is 10 mil ammo available? No. Um, it's popular enough that it, it's sold uh. out, um, unfortunately. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's like at that very outer edge of what's considered mainstream. Okay. Well, thank you so much. All You're right, welcome. Paul. You're welcome. Glad to have you on uh, Gary on Guns. Um, what about the TCM? Do you have any of those in stock? No TCM. No TCM ammo. No 9R ammo. Um, it's just, uh, it's very depressing. <laughs> You're not kidding. Uh, uh, let me go to the phones here and get Jim's question in. Jim, welcome. Glad to have you on Gary on Guns. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, it uh, it strikes me as my my conversations with people that are opposed to concealed carry and just don't like guns at all is that when you start discussing it with them that they uh, they soon disengage because their discussion and their their attitude toward them is not based upon facts it's just simply based upon their feelings and you can't argue with feelings so I. You know, the only way that we're going to get any change is through the ballot box because you can't you can't change people's feelings, and uh, therein lies the problem. I don't know of anybody uh, that I've ever had a discussion with that that ever that was opposed to uh, concealed carry or or being able to uh, carry guns as the Second Amendment allows that that didn't eventually wind up saying, "Well, that's just the way I feel about it." Yeah, you know what you can do, uh, and, and this won't result in an you know instant light bulb goes off. Oh my, I guess I'm wrong. But you can start on their side of the argument. Uh, this is a great way to enlighten people. Uh, they'll say they uh, you know we should ban handguns or nobody should be allowed to conceal carry. And you go, you know, I think you got a point there. Uh, let's let's kind of explore how that would work. And then, then you can point out all the fallacies and all the problems that occur. You know, the bad guys still have them, but then nobody else does. How do we work that out? We don't want the bad guys armed and us not armed. And, and you know, at the end of the conversation, because you started on their side, they'll listen to you. If you start off telling them they're just plain wrong, their brain shuts down. They don't listen anymore. Well, so you start... Pointing out the, that's pointing out the argument is fallacy, with the uh, with the reductio absurdium, and yeah. it, it, finally, finally, in the final analysis, that's when they just disengage and say, "Well, okay, 
but you shouldn't have guns. Yeah, but see, and, they and didn't I hear down that road. See, they didn't hear you because you started off telling them that they were wrong. You have to start off on their side. You know, I'm with you on this, because I want to save lives well, too. Let's kind of figure out together how that would look, and then and then you expose the mistakes in their logic, and you go, well, somehow we got to work this out, and then you can walk away, and all of that information that they weren't listening to when you were opposing them is stuck in their brain, and like I said, I, won't be an instant on, but it'll happen. I, I agree with you that that is the way to do it, but I still. You know, when I come back to it uh, with these people that, that I've had to have reasonable arguments with, basically it just boils down to their feelings. They just don't like them. And yeah. Then why waste your breath arguing with them? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. That's the that's the point. But don't really argue. Good. Like I said, don't argue. Start off on their side. Yeah. If you're gonna t yeah. if, if you're gonna have the discussion in the hopes of changing their minds, know that it won't happen overnight. And that if you start on their side, they will listen. When you, the moment you tell them, "Look, you're 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 wrong. It's just wrong." They don't listen to you anymore. All they know is what they've been told. Then, all right, Jim, I appreciate the call, buddy. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. Uh, John, welcome. Glad to have you. Uh, Gary and Gun Show. Uh, John, welcome. Glad to have you on Gary and Guns. Yes, um, this is going to be short and sweet. Uh, back to the. Uh, discussion about powerful handgun cartridges. Uh, I was kind of intrigued. I read one time about the 357 SIG cartridge, and uh, they said it, it had a tendency not to jam, and it was, they attributed that to the bottleneck shape of the cartridge. And it always made sense to me. Thank you for your show, Gary. All right, John, thank you for your call. Glad to have you on Gary on Guns. Any comment on that, uh, Garson? Yeah, 357 SIG is a great round, too. It's a 40 neck down to a 9, um, so you, you gain back a bunch of velocity um, and add some foot-pounds of energy. Um, it, it's, it was designed by Sig Sauer to be 357 Magnum level power in a semi-automatic small-frame handgun. And it's, it, yeah, in some parts of the country, 357 Sig is popular. Um, here locally, it never seemed to get any, you know, foothold, so the, you don't see it much around here. And when you do, you can pick them up cheap. If you can find them at all today. Uh, yeah, under normal circumstances. Yeah. Um, you know, a, a 357-sig Glock, secondhand, I would see, you know, $150, $200 cheaper than a comparable 40- or 9-millimeter Glock. All right. Uh, this information, this is uh, a legislation in Tennessee. How much time do we have here, Brian? We're, we're getting pretty close. minute and a half. Uh, He's already got his coat on. Yeah, he noticed by the time we get out the door that his chair is still spinning, the curtains are moving, <laughs> and he's gone. Um, they want the uh, State Department of Education and Department of Safety to determine the earliest appropriate grade for students to begin receiving instructions on firearm safety and then provide it and deliver it. Now, there is, of course, a problem because schools have, you know, like cutoffs. It, uh, every kid, I would argue, is different, um, but the schools won't take that into consideration. They'll just go with, well, generally speaking, this age. Uh, you can start teaching them about guns. This is, of course, Tennessee. It's certainly not in a, a blue state. So I'm just curious, Carson, what do you think would be a reasonable age to start teaching kids about gun safety? Well, if they're going to start teaching them about sexuality and gender um, assignment and first grade, you might as well start teaching them about guns then, too. Uh, 
let me uh, let me move this around and and uh, f- go right around the table uh, very quickly, Chuck. Um, I, I was I'm sorry I was not paying attention. <laughs> Chuck just, just fired. Say, just say uh, junior high. He's junior on his high. way out the door. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Dale, throw it out there very fast. First grade. All right. That's whatever it is. Thanks, guys. <laughs> it's been fun. Whatever it is in life that you want. Go out and get it. Don't wait for the government to drop it in your lap. You make it happen. You seize the day. Carpe diem. Gwen, baby. Honey, I'm coming home.